Hyundai's most electric EV lineup changes the way you look and feel about EVs, specifically Hyundai EVs. Hyundai's EV lineup has everything you've been yearning for in your next or first EV, boldly captivating your senses. There's the ultra-fast charging in the Ionic 5 and Ionic 6 from 10 to 80% in as little as 18 minutes. There's the fun-to-drive lineup and the tech-infused standard safety features like highway driving assist and blind spot collision warning. Plus, you get America's best warranty with a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited electric battery warranty. Learn more about Hyundai EVs at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. America's best warranty claim based on total package of warranty programs. See dealer for limited warranty details. See your Hyundai dealer for further details and limitations. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. This is the Black Monday Roundup episode. should be posted on Monday evening, uh, maybe like late Monday, early Tuesday, whatever it is. Either way, um, this is one of two. Actually, you know what? Probably not one of two final podcasts of 2019 because Monday was kind of quiet. There was a bunch of news coming on Tuesday, we are led to believe, because NFL teams want to ruin our marriages, or whatever fun plans Sean has. Um, we emptied the mailbag over Christmas, but that doesn't mean you have to stop leaving reviews. In fact, we love it if you leave reviews. Keep tossing. When you, if you want to leave, if you have a question for us, and you lob it out there on a five-star iTunes review, somebody asked a Dolphins question left a one-star review. Why don't you go back and change that, pal? Hey, um, I don't know if Deba mentioned, but maybe Deba should mention one of the ideas a commenter left on Facebook, I believe, about how leaving a five-star review could, could lead in a prize. I like it. What kind of prize are we talking about? Debo, you want to spill the beans? Oh, Brinson sucks at. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you guys saw, That's, there was a should... great listener that came out with these hats. Brinson sucks. If not, go back. It's on Twitter. It's on our YouTube exclusive. Um, they're in the office. We have boxes and boxes of them. Actually, we have four, but I'm sure we can get some more. Let's, um, let's give those four. Why don't you keep one and give one to EK and then let's give two more away. Deal. I don't, my enemies in the office don't need them. I'm going to auction mine off to charity. I'm going to give half to charity and half to my 2020 tequila fund. So thanks for the hat. Well, hey, at least it's not your pumpkin pie fund. That's, that's a start. Breach, how much are you expecting to get for this hat? Well, also, I, also what is your teque- personal tequila budget for 2020? It's about 2020. Uh, <laughs> but 1800, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> how, how much am I expecting to get for the hat shot? Based on the Twitter response, I feel like this could be a serious auction. We might get a big number here. So I'm not going to sit here and estimate, but these are collector's items. Uh, Brinson might even autograph it and say, I suck. In cursive, if he knows cursive, cursive. and if he does that, if I think maybe we cursive. get a couple hundred dollars. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the the point is there's interest and the fact that a listener came up with the idea. I, I love. It and, would be pretty cool to be like walking around and have a Brinson sucks hat. Like the only people who'd get it are podcast listeners. <laughs> oh, by the way, I just checked quickly. We all can agree Brinson does in fact suck, but he is leading the votes. Fifty point eight percent most recently. Uh Breach, you're still in last place behind old Sean Wagner McGuffey, and Wilson is in second place. Uh how many yeah. votes on that thing? 
187, half go to Brunson, 21.4% go to me. And yes, I voted for myself. Uh, and then Sean Wagner McGuff. Wagner at 15% and Breach, 12.8%. You hate to see it. You hate I have not think. promoted myself. I would like to know that Will retweeted it. Sean also and, retweeted and it. And Will used all of his burners and his bots to vote for himself. I have not stooped low enough to ask for votes, but I'm going to do it now. I didn't retweet it. Oh, then Wilson's just naturally likable. That's different. Yeah, I think that's the key. I think <laughs> the key is that he doesn't annoy anyone on Twitter. That's that's the best. That's a nice. But, th- but then again, that theory doesn't work because Brinson's winning. So I don't annoy people on Twitter. I'm fun on Twitter. <laughs> I annoy Ryan on Twitter. That's about yeah. it. Anyway, um, but so does Sean. Breach doesn't annoy me on Twitter because he's okay. so in your feed currently. Ay, ay, ay. Um, week 17 recap. Great episode. Uh, Darren Smith always, uh, I go on a radio show in San Diego on Monday nights, Monday afternoons. And he always, he always introduces by saying he has a one, <laughs> a 98 minute podcast that he produced or that he, that he, that he talked. I didn't produce it, obviously. Um, 98 minutes. We have a Freddie Kitchens fired podcast. We have a Pat Shermer fired podcast. When and if, uh, Ron Rivera is hired in Washington, expected to happen on Tuesday. Jason Garrett is fired, and Doug Marone is fired. We will have recap emergency podcast for those guys. We can do a Doug Marone emergency podcast. Jason Garrett uh, just won't resign. You have to get it right. Right. Not invited back. Um, like when you're also, up, you're not going to be fired. You're going to be, eh, I had better opportunities. So the first podcast you'll hear on New Year's Day will be Ryan Wilson and Chris Trapasso. How long is that show, Debo? Like a crisp 34 minutes? Crisp 41 41. Ryan wasn't going. Ryan was rambling. Ryan's like, uh, he doesn't have the, the extra fat on the back. I'm, I'm not the ad libber you are. I stick to the script. That's right. Um, that'll be in the feed on, uh, Wednesday, January 1st, 2020. And then on Thursday, January 2nd, 2020, we will have a predictions recap where we look at our best and worst predictions of the year. I can't imagine that Garrett Bradbury's name will get mentioned. Nah. Why? Why would? Why would we talk about him? Did someone anyway. pick him to win an award? <laughs> Monday was slow, fellas. It was a little. I don't want to call it disappointing, but it was a little weird. I, it felt like the momentum. We got like reverse momentum heading into the final part of the season, where, you know, we Dan Quinn was like because Jay Gruden was fired midseason. Ron Rivera was fired midseason. Dan Quinn got uh, you know renewed or not not fired. Um, and, uh, we heard that Anthony Lynn, who was sort of a wild card to get fired, would be safe. I know Mike Florio reported on that on Sunday evening. So there was really only, unless, unless there's some mystery guy that we can't think of, there were only like four people who could get fired. Patch, Freddie Kitchens was fired on Sunday afternoon, immediately, like, well, after the four o'clock games. And, uh, then Pat Shermer was fired on Monday morning. And we had to do this stupid dance. I think Jerry Jones loves it. He's drawing all the attention. He's dragging it out. Everybody's talking about the Cowboys for 48 hours. Um, who get, what happens first, Breach? Jerry Jones fires Jason Garrett or Ron Rivera hired by the Redskins? I would bet Ron Rivera hired. I feel like that's something he's in Washington. They're probably haggling out final details right now. Apparently he's at dinner with Dan Snyder and Barack Obama. If you're bringing in, oh, yeah, Fred Smoot. Is that true story? Somebody said that on Washington Radio? 
Wait, he's at dinner with Barack Obama, Dan Snyder, and Fred Smoot. Let's let's. Are they having any okra for dinner? Nice okra patch. Running through the okra patch. You remember? Does anybody know what? Do, do you guys know what we're talking about there? Yeah, I just said okra patch. I know you know. No, I know you know. We talked about it on the podcast for years. If you don't know, Google Fred Smoot okra patch, but don't click visuals. Fred Smoot was also uh, the captain of the old uh, Minnesota boat that had a lot of fun. Um, okay, so we'll get to Ron Rivera in a second. I was hoping to say Jerry Jones. So that's hearsay, but if it is, I mean, that's how you close the deal. You bring in Obama and you say, look, man, you can hang with this dude. Sign up. Sign the contract. You're in. Hey, can I ask you guys something? And, um, oh, he's turning it political. I can tell. No, no, no. It's, well, it's not really political. It's just like, now listen, as the only, uh, Caucasian member of this podcast, surely, you know, Caucasian member of this podcast, I, I just don't know how to frame this correctly, but I am curious about it. Um, I'm, ner- I'm nervous for you here. I, I this is the Brinson gets fired on the final day of the year. Diva, <laughs> stop recording. <laughs> so is Ron Rivera, who's the first ever, uh, uh, not like first ever Hispanic, non, not, yeah, her, her Hispanic player in the NFL and the first ever Hispanic head coach. Is it a little weird that he's gonna maybe go work for the Redskins, the team that just won't change their name and like nobody's saying anything about this? And Dan Snyder's at dinner with Barack Obama, the first African American president. I mean, am I the only one who finds some of this a little odd? Well, I think it's the, the, the Redskins naming issue is one of those stories that still offends a lot of people, but I feel like it's run out of steam. Just like to, to lesser extents, we, we've sort of tired. We talk about the officiating, but nothing's happening about it. Right. We sort of ran out of steam with the, the new rule about the pass interference and, you know, even taking a wider view. So whatever your political leanings are, I'm sure there are issues that you have run out of steam talking about or thinking about over the last few years. And I feel like that's probably where we are. I would imagine if you asked Ron Rivera, one-on-one, that he probably isn't crazy about the, the name of the organization. But uh, the other end of the spectrum is he's a football coach, and he maybe he considers football to to be you know his calling and, and not uh, a political one. I mean, what, 35 years ago, Michael Jordan said Republicans buy Air Jordans too, so it's not my place to necessarily weigh in on, on political issues, and maybe that's where he's coming from. But yeah, that's a fair point and one that I hadn't thought about. So I do think it's ironic that the white guy is the one who comes up with, with the, uh, so kudos to you. You have evolved, uh, on the last day of 2019. Way to go. Really fire into 2020 as a sensitive yeah. guy. No, I just thought it was odd. Like, it, I don't know. I mean, I may run over doesn't care and he's a, he just wants to go to Washington to win. Um, so let's go talk about Washington right now. We'll get to, we'll get to Dallas in a second. Um, so. Or were you surprised to hear? And I mean, like Mike Silver, who works for NFL Network and was at Sports Illustrated Forever, is at um, and did it. Went down to Carolina, came down to Carolina, and went to Charlotte, and went to Ron's house for a holiday party, Ron's farewell party, and sat. He sat with him and interviewed him and wrote about it. Mike Silver's plugged in. They both went to Cal together. Or I think they might have been there at the same time. Um, at the very least, they're, I think they're tight because of that connection. And he reported that. Ron Rivera is going to sign with the Redskins, and it's going to happen. And then people were like, well, it's taking a little bit longer than we thought. And he's like, no, it, trust me, this is going to happen. It's a matter of when, not if. Preacher, are you surprised that Ron Rivera would dive headfirst in the Redskins? Because he pointed out in, in the article with Silver that he's like, I want a place with a great culture and a willingness to embrace, you know, uh, and to win now. Like, it just seems to go fly in the face of everything 
uh, that, you know, he really said he wants to do. I mean, I feel like it was one of those things where Ron Rivera in his head was thinking, I'll know they're serious about letting me have this control if he gets rid of Bruce Allen. And, and that might have been that last obstacle kind of standing in the way, something that Rivera probably never thought was going to happen because Bruce Allen was just like that cockroach that just keeps surviving no matter how bad the Redskins got, no matter how dismal they looked. Uh, and so Snyder finally pulled the trigger. And I think that's where Rivera's like, all right, I can take this seriously. This guy wants to win. That was the one thing I wanted to see. And it feels like that was a big part of him taking the deal there. And the other thing is, you look at the other jobs out there. We mentioned about how slow things are right now. The only other job open is the Giants job, because obviously he's not going back to Carolina. And if you had a choice between the Giants and the Redskins right now, are you going to take – the Redskins offer what you have, or maybe the Giants, because you might be on the Giants list, but you're probably not the number one priority. Uh, I'm taking the offer that's on the table if I think the team has talent. Well, and it's worth noting, too. So you point out that uh, Bruce Allen was fired. Dance, there, there, the rumor was that Bruce Allen was going to be moved in the organization from his role as GM and fo- president of football operations to a stadium-style deal where he was going to be ne- negotiating with the new stadium and all that. It does seem like Ron Rivera was like, no, that's not acceptable. I mean, he needs to be gone. He'd undermine me if he's still in the office. Sure, and he, and he 100% would. Um, Dan Snyder issued a statement on uh, on Monday morning saying, as this season concludes, Bruce Allen has been relieved of his duties as president of the Washington Redskins and is no longer with the organization. Like our passionate fan base, I recognize we have not lived up to the high standards set by the great Redskins teams, coaches, and players who have come before us. As we reevaluate our team leadership, culture, and process for winning football games, I'm excited for the opportunities that lie ahead to renew our singular focus and purpose of bringing championship football back to Washington, D.C. So basically, uh, boiler, uh, boiler, boilerplate statement, but he's relieved of his duties. They also fired Sean, the athletic trainer, who they had for 18 years. Spoiler, he wasn't good at his job. Because the Redskins were always hurt. And, yes? This could be potentially good news if Trent Williams was ever going to come back into the fold because he had that big beef with the athletic uh, training staff with the cancer tumor on his head, I believe. Well, and you saw that Dwayne Haskins tweeted at Trent Williams. Yes. Let me holler at you. And they also fired the director of uh, pro personnel. So basically the Redskins are firing everybody who's in charge of stuff which feels a little bit, right, like Ron Rivera. Yeah, and and I think it's necessary. Like, I think it's like that uh, that Breaking Bad idea of, like, no half measures, like always go full measure. And, like, to compare it to the Giants, who didn't fire Gettleman but fired Shermer, that feels like a half measure. I would have rather just clean house and completely start over and don't pigeonhole a coach with a GM. Uh, and that's what I think the Redskins have done well, is at least they're willing to start completely over and – to what Breach's point and your point, I don't think they get Ron Rivera unless they actually clean house. Because if Ron Rivera is talking about he wants to go to a place with a good culture, it's not like the Redskins magically have a good culture now that Bruce Allen's gone. Uh, but you can't ever sell that idea of going to a place that has a chance to win so long as the old regime is still in place. I have a, uh, a sad fact, not a fun fact, if you're a Redskins fan. Scott Allen, the Washington Post, tweeted this out uh, earlier today on Monday. The Redskins were a franchise best 76 games above 500 on December 13, 1992. Uh, now they're back to the NFL's equator for the first time in 44 years. As a franchise, they are at smack dab at 500. That mirrors that mirrors Dan Snyder's tenure as the owner, I believe. And so I, I wanted to mention that because Brenton, you mentioned. What was the year there that you said? 
December 13th, 1992, they were 76 games over 500, franchise best. Snyder came in 92? I guess it's... He came in the 90s. I'm not sure if it was exactly 92 or not. He may have been late, late 90s, but, um, they that's, been... what, that's eight, uh, 27, 27 years falling 72 games back is, uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty, it's pretty fast. He's been there since 99 for sure. It may have been Jack Kent cut prior to that, but the point is that they are not trending upwards as, uh, Snyder sort of alluded to in, in his message. Uh, also I wanted to point out, uh, yeah, they got rid of Bruce Allen, but Dan Snyder is a hands-on owner. So I understand why Ron Rivera may feel better, but how good can he possibly feel when you have the owner saying things like, we have to draft Dwayne Haskins, um, in part because I knew him growing up, um, and, and sort of those sorts of things. He's rubbed some of the players the wrong way. I know he and – I believe he and Santana Moss left on not great terms back in the day when Moss was you know, one of their better players. So how do you deal with that if you're Ron Rivera and whoever the GM is going to be? Well, I said this on Twitter. I think that um, you can hire a coach and then hire a GM or hire a GM and then hire a coach. But like they're not like the way they're doing it. Like, I think this is a good move. Like you burn it to the ground and you hope that Dan Snyder keeps his mitts off of it longer than he did with Mike Shanahan. Mike Shanahan, Joe Gibbs, by the way, both guys who'd won Super Bowls prior to coming here. Yeah, but Shanahan, he had full control over everything. And Snyder eventually got sick and tired of it. It wasn't there that long, so it wasn't like it was. He was there seven years, and he started, you know, losing a lot. And remember, Snyder too. Like, I mean, it depends on what you want to believe, but uh, Shanahan wanted to draft Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> well, that's a fascinating what if. Now that Tannehill is good again, yeah. Shanahan claims that he wanted to draft Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill would be really good in a Shanahan scheme, by the way. Um, and Dan that's Snyder forced you. the trade up to get uh, to get um, uh, RG three. Oh. Yada, 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 the Redskins stink again. I mean, I think an important key to all of this is who's going to be Ron Rivera's offensive coordinator. Um, that's something you always have to talk whenever you bring in a defensive-minded coach because, obviously, Dwayne Haskins' development is going to determine whether Ron Rivera is successful or not, uh, most likely, because he they drafted him this past year. Uh, they're locked into him, I assume, next year. They're not going to consider taking a quarterback in the, what, second pick? I would imagine they go, what, Ed Rusher with that pick? Chase and Young. Exactly. So that's, that's what I want to see before I, I, before I even judge it from the Redskins perspective, not, we're doing a lot of judging it from Ron Rivera's perspective, but judging it from the Redskins perspective, I think you have to see who he's bringing in as offensive coordinator before you can assess how good of a hire this is. I think that's fair. There's a question as to whether or not, uh, Kevin O'Connell, who was the, uh, first time offensive coordinator, would be retained in that same position for Ron Rivera. There's also a question of whether or not Ron Rivera wants to retain him. And so, like, I think that'll be interesting to see. Like, does does Ron want to work with somebody he doesn't know? Is he going to try and, like, bring Mike Shula in? Could he bring Norv Turner in? I mean, could Norv Turner and Scott Turner could come with him if he gets another job. He, he He's obviously very close to that family. Could Cam Newton be a possibility in, in, in Washington, D.C.? No. Ooh. Because they have Dwayne Haskins. And there's only so much Dan Snyder's going to put up with before he starts taking over again. So don't, don't push it. I think, uh, Sean's right. They need to figure out the assistant coach situation, but you need to figure out the general manager situation too. I mean, an example of how it should work perfectly and seamlessly is, uh, in Buffalo where Sean McDermott brought Brandon Bean or they arrived together, but they knew each other from Carolina. They get along. They work well together because we've seen how toxic it can be if you have a general manager that doesn't get along with the head coach, <clears throat> Bruce Allen, <clears throat> Dave Gettleman. And it just blows up in your face, and it makes your organization do the opposite of winning. 
Well, see, that's like, I don't understand why people, there's a lot of people who are under the impression that you need to hire a general manager who then needs to go hire a coach. And then that's just how the organ, and that's okay. Like you can go top down organizational structure. I agree with you, Ryan. Like I think if you look at the best, uh, the most successful situations, they've been empowering a, a coach you believe in and you trust and who has experience in the, in the position or experience being a head coach and you pair them, uh, with a, a GM of their choosing. So like Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean. Uh, Andy Reid and John Dorsey worked really well together. Pete Carroll and John, like Pete Carroll was hired and then John Schneider was selected. Pete Carroll's like, I want John Schneider to be my GM. So you find that pairing and ultimately what it does is allow, you put those guys in lockstep so they are working together for success at the same time. Whereas with the Giants, Dave Gettleman's going to hire, whoever Dave Gettleman hires is going to be working, like Dave Gettleman has to win now and this guy's trying to build up a program, the new coach. So it's like they're at odds. So to me, this makes a lot of sense. If you they forgot to mention, it. by the way, Bill O'Brien and Bill O'Brien. They work well together as well. <laughs> um, uh-huh. So anyway, Ron Rivera r- rumored to be the, the possible the, the hire in Washington. Maybe this could be our Ron Rivera's hired podcast. We're sort of assuming that it's going down. Can uh, I point out one quick thing about Ron Rivera that I just found interesting just looking at his pro football reference page? Uh, I like Ron Rivera. Uh, in nine seasons, he's had three winning years, which seems kind of insane because he has a winning percentage of 55%. Uh, but that's, it's just whenever they're good, they are like really good. Like you went 15 and won that one year. Well, should we, I mean, we can point out that like Matthew Barry, who works for ESPN, um, one of my old bosses, friend of the program, uh, he, he was like, are we sure Rivera's the right guy for the Washington job? And I pointed out to him like, it did like, you got five winning seasons since Spurrier. Maybe don't be too picky about who you bring in. And additionally, like if you're Washington, what you need is somebody who is able to, clean house who's able to take this like this this broken down dilapidated shack that's had like bruce allen chilling in the living room with like a like a coors light stuffed cooler and like watching cartoons for 10 years and you need somebody to to like really clean it all up and build a culture and start putting some building blocks in there with somebody with a high floor and i think ron rivera fits that perfectly and one thing real quick on sean's stat is that despite the fact he only had three winning seasons, he did actually win the division title with a losing record one of those years. So give him a little credit, Sean. He won three division titles in a row from 2013 to 2015. And don't dunk on him just because he went 7-8-1 and one in one of those seasons when he won the division title. And I he, mean, pointed, he pointed out, he pointed out, he's like, I don't care if you think I, you can say whatever you want about the losing season. We won the division. That's all that matters. And you know what else, Sean? He has a ringing endorsement. From Gerald McCoy. One of the be best things that ever happened in your career is about to happen. One of the greatest men I've ever been around. One of the greatest coaches I've ever been around. And uh, it was a pleasure to play for him. <clears throat> it was one of the biggest reasons I came here. Um, his experience as a coach, and, um, he's just never wavered. And he's going to turn that place around. I guarantee it. Gerald uh, McCoy, of course, talking about Jason Garrett. Um, just kidding. That was, uh, <laughs> Garrett. he's talking about Ron Rivera. So Jason Garrett is not yet fired either. Were you surprised, Sean, that Jerry Jones is lingering this long? Surprised? No. Um, I mean, I don't really understand besides just wanting the attention, why they're dragging this out, because I haven't seen a single report that indicates he's actually seriously contemplating keeping him. Um, every report seems to be they're all going to go. It's just a matter of, of when, uh, not if. And it seems like maybe it'll happen Tuesday. And and yet, 
There is something about this. Why it? let it linger? I think it's weird too. I think the longer it takes, it's the better for Garrett. And I'm, I don't think Garrett's going to stick around. But if this move hasn't been made by tomorrow night at midnight and Garrett is still technically the coach going into 2020, I, that's a lot of red flags. And how I, is he the coach though? He's not under contract. He's, He's under, under contract. contract yeah. January 14th, according to friend of the program, Jane Slater of NFL Network, who pointed out that her, that Jason Garrett's contract runs that long. Which, by the way, why did you do that? Was that for payroll purposes? They might always. I mean, I don't know if that's... No, you know, but if you're going through 2020 and you know the last day of the NFL season is December 29th, then make it December 31st, 2019, so you're free and you don't have to worry about the carryover in 2020. Taxes. Look, Ryan, don't you think about that stuff? Taxes, yeah, that's my line. Don't steal my taxes. My favorite theory about all of this, I don't know if you guys saw Jane Slayer was reporting that Jason Garrett's doing exit interviews with players, meeting with coaches and all these things, and Kevin Clark, who works for The Ringer, was like, uh, Garrett's probably just going to keep keep himself into meeting to meeting to meeting until it's suddenly September again. And he's like, oh, season's here. Like, he's just avoiding the Joneses at, at all costs. I can't imagine there's a situation. I mean, it could happen because the crazy things happen in Dallas, but just – Defies logic. Uh, our buddy MBS tweeted this out earlier on Monday. Six of the Cowboys' eight wins were by 17-plus points. Uh, three possession games that weren't even close. Six of the Cowboys' eight losses were by eight or fewer points. One possession games, you could basically change one play and the Cowboys win. And you could probably go point to those one plays and say, why did Jason Garrett do this instead of that? And that should only reinforce your belief uh, as Cowboys ownership that you probably need to move on from, from Jason Garrett. Maybe they don't. Maybe they bring him back. I think it would be hilarious, but... Uh, look, I understand maybe Jerry Jones has some emotional ties to Jason Garrett. He seems to like him very much. He was there for nine or ten years or whatever, and, and maybe he wants to take his time with this. I, I mean, look, we've all known this has been a likely scenario for months now, but whatever. He fires him on Friday of this week in, instead of today. Does that really matter at the end of the day? I mean, don't you want to get a head start on your coaching search? I mean, Rod Rivera's <laughs> – He's not under contract. Yeah, no, he is under contract. They can't hire a new head coach right now, can they? They have to dismiss Garrett. Well, I mean, he can have as many head coaches as he wants. He's Jerry yeah, Jones. I guess that's there's, true. There's, yeah. there's no rule that says you can't have five head coaches. You can't have co-head coaches. And Jerry Jones would be the first person in the world to do that. Uh, it is. It's just weird that it's being strung out like this. But maybe, again, Jerry Jones loves Jason Garrett. He clearly is going to give him the benefit of the doubt in all situations. And it does make sense that he let him go through his exit meetings on Monday. Let him talk to every player. We're not going to kick him out like the Giants did to Pat Shermer or like uh, Freddie Kitchens didn't even get the Browns background in his press conference because they, he was being tossed out the door as he was talking. So it's like, hey, talk to your dudes Monday. We'll talk Tuesday. You'll be a free man by uh, midnight. And, uh, you know, go get drunk. Go have fun. The weird thing for me, though, is he met with both of the Joneses. And it's like going to Jane Slater. What do they discuss in that meeting that isn't, am I, do I have a job or not? Like, what do they talk about? I, I don't, I don't, yeah, like, the meeting started, this is not like a, like a divorce attorney sit down thing. Like this is a, like it's an so amicable weird. divorce. Like they they're they love each other very much. But it's like a Seinfeld episode. They go in there and, and, and Jerry's like, Jason, turn your key. He's like, I I will not turn my key. I will not. I will not turn my key. The the whole thing is 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 wild. I don't know. There's something a little fishy about it. I think it's if I was a hundred to zero, like a hundred percent, he's getting fired and not gonna be back in 2020 on Sunday. I would say that at least like now, as you record this on Monday night, I'm like 98% he's getting fired and 2% he's coming back. 
Is that right? I was at 98 on, at the end of that game on week 17, though, just because you know in the back, you don't know what Jerry's going to do. I feel like if you said like 78 or something, I would say that's that's insane. 98, that sounds about right. That meeting today was probably Jason Garrett walks in and Jerry's like, you know what, Jason? You got 24 hours to convince me why I should keep you. We'll meet tomorrow. Let me know what you think. That's like Jerry Jones would totally do something crazy like that. But I think I do think that this is actually just, hey, let's set up a press conference. I think Jerry Jones, Jason Garrett will both be there. Uh, and let's get rid of this guy and let's do it classy, the classy way, because it's hard to do a firing or letting go of someone in a classy manner. The Panthers did it with Ron Rivera. I think we'll see a similar thing with Jason Garrett. Is it is it also possible that the other two theories that kind of floated through my head were, one, maybe they, they think they can bury it on New Year's Eve. Like, we'll sneak the news out on New Year's Eve. It'll be more respectful to, to, to Jason Garrett. Or two... What if there's a clause in Jason Garrett's contract where if he's if, if he's fired before the end of the contract, they owe him like three million dollars? Have you seen Jason Garrett coach? You think he's smart enough to have a clause like that in his contract? For instance, I mean Jerry Jones, Maybe his agent does. I'm just saying, like it's weird. All I'm saying is like it's weird that it's through January 14th. Like that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. With all the crap that Jerry Jones has taken from the media over the past few weeks, every week getting asked about. Every week getting asked about Jason Garrett. This would be the total FU move. Announce the move at like 10 o'clock central time on Tuesday night, New Year's Eve. What are you, Sean and, Sean and. I was yelling at you, but my mute was on. That's why Sean was laughing. Uh, He was like yelling at something. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, but uh, I was just going to say, you need to find out if other coaching contracts run, you know, do they typically go through January? I mean, it may not be that irregular. Of all the things to to be like, okay, this is super weird with the Cowboys and Jason Garrett. I don't know if this is high on the list. It, it's just a little odd. Like he's, it's all a little odd. I just don't understand why they wouldn't get it done. Like, well, that's fair enough. Why don't you just fire him? If you he, <laughs> even if he has two weeks left, just fire him. Now, one more theory for you. One more theory for you. Go. Matt Rule yeah. doesn't coach in his bowl game until January first. If you wait to fire Jason Garrett. You can sort of keep, like you, people are, people won't ask you, you don't have to comment on Matt Rule, you don't have to comment on Lincoln Riley. They canceled the radio interview on Tuesday morning with 1053 The Fan. You could, if you're Jerry Jones, you could hide out, like you're, you're, you're clear on Monday, you got through Monday. You could hide out on Tuesday and be like, I'm, I mean like, I'm gonna hang out at my house and go to my parties. You're not gonna see any media people on Tuesday or Wednesday. Fire, fire Jason Garrett and hang at your house. Why do you have to? If you fire Jason Garrett, you have to do a press conference. No, you don't. He the, first yeah, of all, yeah, as, yeah. as Sean points out, he loves being in front of the camera, so I don't think that's a concern. And number two, as he said after the game, after the loss on Sunday, you're asking the wrong question. It's not about information; it's shareable information. So if he doesn't want to share the information about who he's interested in, he ain't going to do it. I mean, you could if Matt Matt Rule. I, I think the report is that he he is very interested in the in the in the Dallas job, and you know. If Jerry gives him what he wants in terms of control over certain things, I would imagine that would be a, an attractive offer. I think Prisco also mentioned HQ that the Giants could be an attractive offer as well. He's a New York guy, Matt Rule. And, again, that will come down to what is his relationship with Dave Gettleman and so on and so forth. But, yeah, I, I think the Jason Garrett thing is weird, but in the in the scheme of weird things that the Cowboys have done, it ranks pretty low for me. Okay. Yeah, if they don't, I mean, if they don't fire him Tuesday, then we're officially in, like, what is going on territory. But I feel like it's going to come Tuesday. If they fire him on Tuesday night at 10 p.m., F you. That's when the Texans hired Bill O'Brien. I mean, F you. It's New Year's Eve. Don't do it. 
What do you have to do? What are you doing New Year's Eve? I'm not going to be doing anything, but that doesn't. Mean- <laughs> <laughs> going to like going out to like a kids thing it doesn't mean I. Yeah, don't that they mean I want to deal with it, Ryan. Don't they have fake New Year's Eve at like nine, and you tell them it's midnight? Yeah, you turn it on Netflix. Netflix has like a minute countdown. You watch three of them at eight thirty. You're free for the rest of the evening. Ryan, if you had to guess, do you think I want to podcast with you about Jason Jerry Jason Gary getting fired? Do you think I want to sit around and drink champagne? <laughs> you can Why drink- can't you do both? Thank you, John. Exactly. Yeah. We can wear the uh, the blow the little horns and wear party hats and have a grand old time. Breach, will you be available on Tuesday night? One hundred percent. No, I have uh, <laughs> willing designated driver in my pregnant wife. Oh, that's true. And so, no, I will not be. I thought you were about to say I volunteer to be a designated driver, so I have to go. And I was like, that doesn't sound like breach. That's a, yeah. It's like that's clearly a lie. Um, that's true. You so breach is uh, you got what three months, two months, two Last, and a half months, five months pregnant. Right. You gotta. You gotta. This is. This is your time right here, Breach. From now until <laughs> this is your time. This is all Don't you got ask, line. I'm not joking. You better max out and be like, hey, we need to go eat. And I, daddy's got to have six or seven drinks. He's <laughs> driving me home. You got to drive her the rest of the way. You need to spend a couple uh, Wednesdays just sitting around in your underwear in the living room while she's asleep at 6 p.m. Just sipping on bourbon, watching football. This is your time, Breach. Soak it up. I'm, that's, that's my full plan tomorrow. So Words I will not – no emergency podcast for me, guys. So I'm turning my phone off. I'm not even going to answer. AK would, go, AK would go to bed at like 4.30 p.m. every every night when she was like that pregnant. <laughs> what uh, if Andy Dalton retired? Would you would you break the rule? Would you come on the podcast? No, I would periscope it, put it on Twitter, and you guys could share it. Brinson could share the audio. We're not doing that. You know what we are doing? We're taking a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about Doug Marone. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride-or-die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. So the Jaguars, speaking of the rumor mill, the Jaguars have not fired Doug Marone yet, but apparently are going to have a decision on Tuesday. What do you think, Ryan? Fire Doug? Keep Doug? What do the, the Jags do here? Huge win. They won a big game in Week 17 against your Colts and Jacoby Brissett. So 
Is that enough? I mean, I feel like that one's more important than the Browns beating the Bengals to save Freddie Kitchens' job, which they couldn't do. I don't know, man. I, do we have any conversation about uh, Caldwell, Dave Caldwell's uh, security as GM? Uh, we should be. We I haven't heard, any, heard anything about that, right? If you're going to fire Doug Marone, just fire Dave Caldwell. Yeah, so I don't know what the plan is with that. I have heard nothing about that, but obviously Doug Marone, part of the reason is because there was an ESPN report that he was going to get fired hour, hours after the game. That didn't happen. Now there's going to be a conversation with Chad Khan, obviously the owner. Um, I think I would move on, but I always caution moving on in most cases. <laughs> uh, Freddie Kitchens is the exclusion. What's plan B? Because that's the hardest part. I mean, you can come up with a list of guys that look great on paper and they get there and they're not great. So what's plan B? And, and the bigger issue for me isn't so much Doug Marone because this team played for him in 2017 with Blake Bortles, and they actually outplayed the Patriots in that AFC Championship game, uh, except, of course, the Patriots won. But the, the issue for me is what are you doing with the Nick Foles contract, number one? And number two, why did you sign Nick Foles? Because I think all of us agreed at the time it was an idiotic thing to do. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, look, I understand that people in the personnel department have more knowledge than we do. But when four idiots on a podcast are like, this is extremely stupid and it makes no sense. And it pretty much plays out that way. It just it, it makes you look not great if that's your, your real job. Did, yeah. uh, by the way, did we, uh, did we have the soundbite of Doug Marone? I don't think we did. Did we have the soundbite of Doug Marone when he, at his, at his, at his season ending press conference? Did y'all, did y'all hear his quote? I love this. Yes. This is, this might be the new theme. No, no, Debo said it last night and I didn't include it because I'm a jabroni. Um, here it is. Uh, am I disappointed? Obviously. Uh, am I concerned? Yes. You're always concerned when you have a disappointing season. But for this moment, when I leave here after I'm done answering, you know, the questions, you know, which I really appreciate everyone has been great all year, I might have a little bit more than one beer. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Oh, mic drop. That was good. He walked off. That might be the name. We could rename this podcast. It could be I'm going to have more than one beer. Sean doesn't drink, drink beer. Red wine with Sean. <laughs> I think you drink more wine than I do. I'm drinking wine. (laughs) Sean's going to the gym after this podcast. I know. Sean Sean lives at the gym. I don't even know why he pays rent at his apartment when he, in fact, spends 80% of his time at the gym. You know why he goes to the gym, Breach? It's because, first of all, he wears his Pick 6 Pod t-shirt, and he wants his one. Oh, hey, just didn't notice you there. Yeah, I looked into you again. Sorry, uh, the one fan who noticed me. What are you doing? That's Sean's reason for going to the gym. That is worth Two hundred bucks a month, whatever you pay. Sean is now stalking that guy. Breach. I can't live at the gym because for some reason, twenty-four hour fitness is not actually open twenty-four hours. Believe it. That's that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. Sean, get on that. You go to a gym called twenty-four hour fitness and it's not open twenty-four hours. Yeah, not every twenty-four hour fitness is actually open twenty-four hours. They just actually changed the hours at downtown Oakland. Now they close at midnight, which is actually kind of like early for a place called twenty-four hour fitness. So what is it? Uh, but I feel like in Oakland, that's probably the uh, safe. Who's thing going to, to the do? gym at close mid- at midnight? There's yeah, actually a pretty robust like. Uh, are you pointing at me? Yeah, I'm pointing somewhere. That's, that's that's way too late. I thought you were like pointing at your crotch. I was like, what is happening here? Um, yeah. All right, let's move along. Wait, real quick on Marone. Can I just say that this tells you the difference between Jacksonville and Dallas. This is literally close to the same situation where Jacksonville's just milking this out. And, you know, we didn't spend all day today reading tweets about Doug Barone's future, but all of this about Jason Garrett's future. 
And I have to say, I feel better about Marone's chances of sticking around, uh, obviously, than Jason Garrett. So you put 2% on Jason Garrett, Brenton, you give him a 2% chance of sticking around. I give Marone, like, a 30% chance. I was going to go higher. I was going to go 50. Yeah, I was going to say 50-50. Um, there was a report on Sunday from Diana, Diana Rossini of ESPN that Marone had been told that he was going to be fired after Sunday's game. The Jaguars issued a statement saying that was not true. And not to question Rusini's reporting, I think Diane is awesome, but like, um, it, it would be weird if Shad Khan told Marone he was getting fired before the game. And also, if you're Marone, you just throw Tom Coughlin under the bus in this Tuesday meeting. You blame everything on him. He got fired already. And you're like, look, Tom's out of the way. I can lead this team to a Super Bowl next year. I got rid of Blake Bortles. I got rid of Coughlin. We're going to the Super Bowl. And to Ryan's point, he's never had a good quarterback there. Like, I don't know what coach is winning football games with Blake Bortles and, and Nick Foles. And, I mean, Gardner Minshew won a Super Bowl better. with Nick Foles, Sean. I mean, he hasn't had Nick Foles for a full season. I would like to see what Nick Foles' record would be there. Uh, so, to Ryan's point, I don't know what plan B is. Like, what? And I don't feel like very much on this podcast, we dunk on a lot of coaches. It's very rare that we talk about a Jags game where we're like, oh, what an idiotic coaching or, you know, breakdown that they had. We rarely mentioned Doug Marone in terms of that. The only thing against him is that they do seem to have maybe some player discipline issues, um, not in terms of like the fines, which were Tom Coughlin stuff, but in terms of like fighting in the middle of games and that kind of stuff. Maybe you can place that on him. But for the most part, I don't know if there's anything actively bad Doug Marone actually does. And have we heard anything since Jalen Ramsey left? We know he didn't want to be there, and maybe he was sort of the – you know, sort of the guy ruffling feathers just to get out of town. I mean, they haven't been a good football team since Jalen Ramsey left, but it ain't like um, Jalen Ramsey went to Los Angeles and magically fixed things either. So maybe it was more Jalen than, than Marone. I don't know. But I, I think more than any other coach, I wouldn't be in a hurry to fire him, I don't think, unless you have someone in mind that you know can come in and, and sort of be the guy and you know he can do it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I Doug Marone. I I thought JLC had a uh, had a good point when we talked to him a couple of days ago about Doug Marone. He's like the Jaguars are might secretly ride this out through the new CBA. When's that up? Like one more year. One more year. I was trying to. I didn't know the. I know 2011s when they signed it. it was so so like instead of having to pay Doug Marone and another coach for one year, and then possibly move to London. Yeah, I guess. But what are you saving? Three million bucks. Hey, yeah. What about the taxes? And the taxes. <laughs> and the, the taxes. Remember three and a half months ago when uh, we were all talking about Mike Tomlin might be losing his job. Can you imagine if he were a free agent right now? He would be out of work 14 seconds. Jason Garrett would be lying in the streets of Dallas, bloody and beaten from like being tossed out of a, a Cowboys bus. And real quick, Marone's contract expires after the 2021 season. The CBA expires after the 2020 season. Okay. So they'd still have to pay him for a year. But I mean, like, right, right. Save, you'd save a okay. year's worth of. Breach, is that January 14th, 2021? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody needs to dig into this. That ain't going to be me. Um, I'll ask GLC. <laughs> so Pat Shermer fired. We did an emergency podcast on that. Ryan and I did. I uh, just want to get y'all's opinion on how the Giants handled that. Um, they have, according to reports, requested interviews with Eric Bieniemy. They're going to interview Chris Richard from the Cowboys, whose contract is up. So there are Coaches on the Cowboys whose contracts are up. The coaching staff was not lined up on the same day because some of them Jason Garrett met with, according to reports, and told him, your contracts are up. You can go do what you want. But mine's not up for apparently 15 days. Um, they want to uh, – Matt Rule 
heavily bu- heavy buzz about Matt Rule and the Giants. Um, and then I think Ron Rivera probably would have been a fit, but uh, as you point out, not going to happen. It doesn't look like. So, A, Sean, uh, what are your thoughts on Shermer Gettleman? And, B, who could you see them going with? Completely fine with firing Shermer, but as I was saying earlier, it feels like a half measure. And I never liked the idea, unless the GM is really good and has that proven track record and you can see evidence of the picks that have worked out and the signings that have worked out, then I think maybe you can keep the GM, but that's seldom the case. And I don't like the idea of now forcing a coach to come work with the GM, forcing the coach now to work with this or work, forcing the GM to work with this coach. Uh, it doesn't really make sense. I mean, I'm a Bears fan who had that happen with Emery and Lovey Smith and it was clear, uh, you know, the GM just wanted to get the coach out even though Lovey Smith won 10 games and it feels like a similar type of situation. And look, we've spent a lot of time on this podcast making fun of Dave Gettleman and that doesn't excuse Shermer's coaching job, but I would actually argue Gettleman was a bigger problem to New York than Shermer was. So I, I'm fine with getting rid of Shermer. I don't think he actively helped the Giants in any way. But I think the bigger detriment to the franchise was Gettleman. Can I add on that real quick before Breach goes, just to your point? Hey, uh, Brinson, how many times did Dave Gettleman trade down out of the first round? Uh, never. I think it's never. And I only mention that because they have the fourth, uh, what have third or fourth pick? Third pick. Third pick, right? Yes. Right? No, they have the fourth pick because the Lions. Or the draft guy. Yeah. Matt Patricia has the third pick. They came out late. Fourth pick for the Giants. I mentioned all that because they have their quarterback. They're not going to get Chase Young. You can get an offensive lineman later in the first round. You don't have to take him at number four. They could stockpile picks and trade down, especially if someone like Tua is healthy and there's a team that wants to trade for Tua. And if Gettleman's there and he has no history of trading down, but he has a history of falling in love with guys, that's going to not allow you to stockpile picks when you need as many picks as possible to rebuild this roster. So that's just another uh, addendum to basically what Sean was saying. I just wanted to add that before Breach weighed in. And in fact, before Breach weighs in, I want to make one more point too. That's a great point by you, Ryan. Gettleman had the second overall pick and drafted Saquon Barkley, even though everybody was like, dude, you could trade this second pick for a crap ton of picks because everybody wants a quarterback, right? I mean, instead the and Colts. He had, and he admitted he didn't even listen to offers. That's right. Um, which is interesting because according to John Mara, Dave Gettleman has actually built in a very robust analytics department at the Giants. The answer at quarterback, I think we have a lot of good young players. We just need them to take take it to the next level, and hopefully the, the next coach will help them do that. They'll all be a – none of them will be rookies anymore. And, uh, again, we have a very good cap situation, and we're picking fourth in the draft. Um, it apparently apparently managed to uh, go to the wrong one because I'm not good at my job. But yeah. <laughs> classic Brinson. Uh, well, I didn't know there were multiple John Mora videos floating out there. I thought there was an obvious one. Um, he thinks they have a ton of young talent that they're not in bad cap space. Um, and according to man, I tweet way too much. According to <laughs> this particular video of John Mara, he believes that they are have sitting squatting on the best analytics department in the league. Uh, so many changes in this organization that people really don't uh, know about. We've made uh, had a lot of turnover in our scouting area. We've completely changed our grading system uh, in how we grade uh, college players. Uh, we're deeper into analytics and technology than we've ever been before, and that process is ongoing. Uh, we've completely reorganized areas in our football operations. We've added a staff psychologist on a full-time basis. 
and we believe that it'd be a mistake to pull the plug on that uh, after two years, particularly when you consider that um, Dave spent a good part of the first year fighting for his life. Yeah, that part was awkward. That's, that's true, but I mean... It's a weird thing to say. Just, yeah, but it, look, it was terrible. He beat it, that's great, but it doesn't mean he should keep a job where he's not doing a, a swell job, that's all, right? Yeah, I mean, look, they, the Giants press release is like, Dave Gettleman has drafted human beings. Like, it looked like a Wikipedia page. You're just I listing saw, draft picks. And like, you don't even know that. who the good draft picks are. I saw you tweet that. Um, I somehow caught that tweet among the millions you sent out on Monday. But I mentioned that because – I may have I may have tweeted 230 times on Monday. Matt, Matt Lombardo, I think Matt Lombardo of NewJerseys.com actually retweeted what you tweeted and said it is laughable. And he's, he's he does a good job. He's a straight-down-the-line beat reporter, does a good job covering the Giants. And he said it is laughable that they would actually – point to the, the draft class that included uh, Corey Ballantyne, who was a six-round pick, and um, another late-round pick, and say, oh, yeah, this is clearly evidence that Dave Gettleman's doing a bang-up job. They, like, pointed out, like, the worst draft picks, like the guys who weren't as good instead of, like, the good players. They're just listing names that popped out to them. So, I mean, the, the Giants are idiots. I think they could probably luck into a decent season next year if they somehow fix the offensive line. Daniel Jones took a big step and they got a good coach, but I don't know why anybody would want to go to this. Like, I don't think Matt Rule will come work for Dave Gettleman, even though they worked together before. Ryan and I talked about that. Chris Richard feels like a guy who would definitely do it. I don't know if they're serious about him. And then Eric Bieniemy, maybe he just feels like he needs to make a leap. We've seen a lot of, you know, whether it's, uh, Frank Reich, I guess counts, qualifies as an Andy Reid type of guy, Doug Peterson. Um, you know, we've seen Matt Nagy. We've seen these guys make leaps out from under Andy Reid and have done quite well. So uh, that could work. The Browns are still searching for their head coach as well. Um, they have contacted Mike McCarthy, Josh McDaniels, Greg Roman, and Robert Sala, and are believed to have interest in Kevin Stefanski. Charles Robinson of Yahoo pointed out that uh, Kevin Stefanski and Brian Flores are the two guys that the analytics department of Cleveland identified as top candidates. Which way, Ryan, should the Browns go? I just want to add Eric Bieniemy. Did you mention him? I did not. Because Kareem Hunt was actually asked about Bieniemy, and he said he would be a fantastic addition. They, they were together, obviously, oh, in Kansas yeah. City. And he said we would welcome him in this locker room. He'd be a good presence in this locker room. So I just wanted to add that. Then you can ask questions to the two smart guys. Well, the other thing I was going to say, Charles Robinson also hit a lengthy thread. It's worth checking out. He pointed out that if Stefanski or, um, who else did he say? Or maybe Greg, oh no, Stefanski or Josh McDaniels are the guys who emerge as the top candidates for the Browns. It could mean that John Dorsey could be out. Would firing John Dorsey be a mistake, Sean? Yeah, I don't think he's, I think the, this Browns roster is actually really talented. I mean, isn't that the whole reason why Freddie Kitchens got fired is because he couldn't make use of a very talented roster. And I think you have to give John Dorsey credit for bringing in a lot of good players. And look, I know in hindsight, the Odell Beckham trade now doesn't look that great, but it doesn't look that great because he just wasn't involved very much in the offense. And I still think that trade can look good in the right, in the right offense. And I mean, that's why for me, my number one guy is actually Mike McCarthy for this job. I think it makes, it, it makes too much sense. Um, and, I saw someone from PFF noted this on Twitter, and it reminded me because this is something that's kind of forgotten. You go back and there's a lot of information, a lot of reporting on it. Like Aaron Rodgers, when he got to Green Bay, had completely different mechanics that he learned in Jeff Tedford's system at Cal. And Mike McCarthy, Sean, and say it to Ryan a little bit louder. 
Mike McCarthy had to completely change uh, his mechanics and put him through a quarterback school. And I think that's exactly what Baker Mayfield could 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 should go through. Um, a coach like that. And I'm not saying Mike McCarthy is necessarily the guy to take them to the Super Bowl or all that, but I think they need a guy who has experience, uh, who's been around for a while, who has developed quarterbacks, highly drafted quarterbacks before. Uh, and so that's why I think it would be a good fit. And that's why I think he's my number one guy for that job. Yeah, Sean, uh, you're right, Brenton. I, I was I, saw, I was reading about that earlier. He did have <laughs> he did have more to do with Rodgers' progression than I originally let on. I was still blinded by the fact that he preferred Alex Smith to Aaron Rodgers when he was the OC in San Francisco. Fine, you win. That's the last victory you're getting in 2019. Uh, uh, but I will say real quick, since I didn't give my Dave Gettleman opinion. Huh. Remember Wilson cut in? It was like before Breach gives his opinion. And then Brenton interrupted Wilson, and he was like, well, let me interrupt you. And then before Breach gives his opinion, and then I don't have anything to say on Gettleman. It doesn't matter. But I will say that <laughs> – I agree with what Sean just said. I do think the Browns need some sort of disciplinarian, and I agree with him because I said it on a podcast the other day uh, that Mike McCarthy seems like the logical hire for the Browns. Uh, I think if they go with a veteran, he makes the most sense, and if they go with someone who has never had a head coaching job before, I think Josh McDaniels makes the most sense. He's from the Cleveland area. He went to high school in Cleveland. He went to college in Cleveland. I feel like if there's one job— He's been a head coach before. Uh, he's at the Broncos. I don't count that because he drafted <laughs> Tim Tebow. Uh but it has, it's been nearly a decade since he's had a head coaching job. So I think that McCarthy, and if they want someone who has been a coordinator for the past 10 years, but has head coaching experience. Also, isn't there like some sort of beautiful, happy circle thing where the Cleveland Browns are finally saved by hiring the, the, the guy who was like, cause remember they, they fired Belichick. They're, so they're hiring the Belichick, Belichick protege who tried to fly away, was disgraced, came back, and then you hire him on the second time around. So maybe that works. I don't know. Maybe? Uh, full yeah. circle, man. It makes Ryan sense. Ryan looks skeptical. But Ryan, I told Ryan, I said that Mike McCarthy groomed Aaron Rodgers. He's like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, do you trust Josh McDaniels though? I mean, how many times does he have to burn you? Huh? No, I don't. No, I don't trust Josh McDaniels. <laughs> well, that's why I was shaking my head because I, I don't trust him. He, he uh, took the job, and then he's like, yeah. It's like, and then he went back to New England, and he wouldn't answer the door when the reporters came by. And then Andrew Luck retired, so now he looks kind of smart. I, I will say that I, I wonder if it's a thing where Josh McDaniels decided, not like he doesn't trust Chris Ballard, who's a good coach, but maybe he wanted to have his own GM, and he can, ha- he can have that in Cleveland. He can probably get Dorsey out of there, Paul DePodesta out of there. Um, My question about John Dorsey is this. He seems to do a great job of, of acquiring talent. Why did he get kicked out of Cleveland? Uh, Kansas City. Um, per- people skills. I'm a people person. Uh, that's. Did you wear a sweater and khaki shorts to every meeting, and that's what got people upset? I don't know. It was a weird. That was a weird thing. It felt like there was a power struggle, and then like it just nobody talked about it. Like Andy Reid had him axed, and and that came out of nowhere too. That was in the summer. Yeah. Remember, it was the same. Gettleman got fired in August, like in the preseason by Jerry Richardson. It was a little golf cart. Uh, <laughs> you had uh, Dorsey got fired in like the middle of the season, and then um, there was one more GM who got fired right after the draft. Who yeah, there was. He got fired after the draft. I remember that. He was. There were three GMs fired like in between the draft and the start of the season, which is wildly unheard of. Who was it who got fired? What, and I, I don't remember how Doug many. Really? Who? Was it Doug Whaley? Maybe. Yes, yes. He got fired on April 30th, Doug Whaley. 
Uh, and Sorcy got fired in June. I'm good. I got to do this for a living. And Trap. Dorsey, when they signed Jeremy Macklin, don't forget, they got docked two draft picks for tampering. And they did what? They, they signed – Dorsey's the guy in charge. They signed Jeremy Macklin, and they got in trouble for tampering. They got hit uh, $75,000 fine. They lost two draft picks, uh, and then he was fired a year later. And not that that necessarily – is the reason, but little things like that could play into it. They add up. If he's breaking the rules there, maybe he's doing, you know, like, it all adds up. By the uh, way. drafted a bunch of people who ended up getting in trouble. This May, two weeks after the draft, the Jets fired Mike McKagan. That's right. Really a bunch of – the Chiefs are the only functional organization here. Uh, so, moving along. I mentioned the Panthers. They fired people. They've also fired Ron Rivera. They've already interviewed Mike McCarthy. I don't hate the fit there. I, it feels like a little bit of a settle. Like if you're David Tepper, you're trying to go up top. But if if you think he can, if he can replicate his success that he had in Carolina in Green Bay for the first seven or eight years, you sign everybody signs for that, right? Yes. I mean, like you give us one Super Bowl and a bunch of ten win seasons all day long. Okay, Breach and Ryan, I was excited about it. I thought Ryan, I could understand Ryan because he's a Steelers fan. Breach, I thought might sign for that. Oh, I thought you had more to say. Usually you never stop after 10 words. That was the shortest. I was making a face because I was searching. Breach is salty uh, tonight. What? No. I was searching why. uh, Because it's true. Uh, (laughs) Hey, I'm about to say something really important. I was making a face (laughs) because I was searching for why Doug Whaley got fired, and I just dropped his tweet for all of you to see. And it involves Sammy Watkins, so I wasn't happy about that. Doug Whaley gave up three picks to move up to number four in the 2014 draft to take Sammy Watkins. Five receivers from that draft class uh, had more TDs than Sammy <laughs> did in 2017. I would imagine that remains the case. Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks, Jordan Matthews. Um, to varying degrees, are all better than Sammy Watkins. I think Allen, is Allen Robinson? He moved up and took Sammy Watkins ahead of Odell Beckham. I mean, it's un, it's Mike Evans is even worse somehow. That, that didn't help the resume. Um, by the way, that 2014 draft class, that wide receiver group? Yeah. Eh, not, as, not as awesome as we thought it was at first. Why? I mean, Mike Evans is great, but Odell Beckham is, like, not living up to his talent. Sammy Watkins is way worse than Devontae Parker. Uh, <laughs> Jordan Matthews might as well be out of the league. Brandon Cooks is fading away, and Allen Robinson is toiling away with Blake Bortles and Blake Bortles Jr., a.k.a. Mr. Trubisky. After he oh. had Christian Hackenberg in college. By the way, I heard a fantastic he, name. Who did he kill? To me? <laughs> who, who does the um, podcast of Charles Robinson on Yahoo? Do you, do you know who that is? Uh, Therese Paler. Therese Paler. I heard him in a brief clip on doing that podcast on Twitter. He has the best name for Jameis, and I'm angry I didn't think also, of Also, by the way, Devontae Adams and, and Jarvis Landry. Good. John, hey, John Brown. Martin John Brown. Jeez. I heard a fantastic name for Jameis. I'm angry he didn't come up with it. He calls Jameis Jameis Winstaverdi for all the interceptions. Love it. Fantastic. Well done, Therese. So you listen to the Yahoo Sports podcast? They played it. They uh, tweeted out a clip, and he mentioned Jameis uh, Winstaverdi on it, and I fell out of my chair. That's good. We need to get a diva. We need to get social to toss a uh, Freddie Outhouse clip up there. Not now. The man got fired. What if Ryan records a rap single called Welcome to the Outhouse? Can <laughs> we, we say the B word? I don't know. Maybe you might have to bleep it. <laughs> I would download it. I would download it. 
I would listen to it before I download it. It's well, been a busy week. Outhouse. <laughs> it's been a busy week for Debo bleeping things. <laughs> That's I can't believe Brenton just called Freddie Outhouse a, a B word. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't bleep that. You blurp that. <laughs> blurp, <laughs> bleep, blurp. Um, Panthers. Who? Uh, who do you uh, also expect to request to interview Josh McDaniels? Again, I've been saying I think that's a good fit. But. What about Greg Roman? Can he can he manage the locker room? That's my question. Also, are you are you sticking with Cam Newton? Yeah, I mean, yeah. No, I mean, no one knows that because of his health. So. If Greg but, Roman is my coach, yes. But if you're, to me, it does not make sense. I don't, I don't know if I lo- like Greg Roman is killing it because of his X's and O's in the coaching booth. I don't know that you go and get him to be a head coach. Just so he can run a, an offense with Cam Newton, that feels very short-sighted. What isn't exactly what you're saying? The exact same uh, concern with Josh McDaniels. It's not like we know Josh McDaniels can, uh, you know, run a locker room. We don't know about that. He didn't do it in Denver. So what's the no, thing he can do terrible. in Carolina? So like, that's... unless you're getting a McCarthy or someone who's been a head coach for a while and was successful, that's just the question you have with every single assistant who's becoming a head coach. Yeah, and look, I, I guess I mean, I mean, like, are you? The whole thing with Freddie Kitchens was like, he's going to have the same offense as, you know, Baker Mayfield, continuity, yada, yada, yada. Well, like, we didn't factor in that he wasn't going to be good. Like, he was going to – it was going to take away from his other jobs because he was trying to run the offense. Like, they should have hired another coach and just promoted – just kept Freddie as the OC. Yes. Yeah. And the the Browns probably would have won 10 games this year. If you'd hired Mike McCarthy and said, listen, you can run your offense, but Freddie has to stand there with a clipboard and act like he's calling plays. And like high five Baker, like they probably win ten games. Right? They're not They're not winning ten games. Also, McCarthy probably wouldn't have given up play calling. No, right. That's what I'm saying. Freddie stands over the clipboard. Doesn't. Uh, <laughs> Can I have that job? That job sounds good. Who's the biggest? Oh, who's the biggest mistake of these guys is being kept? Dan Quinn, Pat, Matt, Patri- Pat, Patricia, or Gadam Ace? I know what Ryan's gonna say. <laughs> Who was the? Oh, uh, Gadam Ace. Yeah, I see. Um, Pat, Patricia. Look, man, I'm not going to give you my lion spiel, but the issue, the, here's the deal. That team won three football games. They have the third overall pick. That is hard to explain two years removed from winning nine and seven, going nine and seven back to back years. Who, who was the coach when they went nine and seven? I believe his name was James, one James Caldwell, sir. Okay. I forgot. Well, Since we never talk about it. It's interesting you mentioned that because and we'll get to that in a second, but first, um, we're going to talk about Adam Gase. The rumor is that Chad O'Shea, who was fired by the Dolphins, like how are you gonna fire a guy after like, the Dolphins season? That Jim, they want to hire that Brian Flores wants to hire Jim Caldwell as his OC in Miami. Um, but more importantly, you didn't hear that rumor? No, I heard that they had to. They didn't like they liked Chad O'Shea as a as a quarterbacks coach, not as an OC. They had to get rid of him because they wanted to promote uh, Schlapinski, I think his name is, uh, uh, because the rumor is, and this was reported by uh, Benjamin Albright with. Pro Football Network okay. with Tony Pauline, who does the draft stuff. So they mentioned this, and I think someone else mentioned it as well, because the concern is that when Josh McDaniels gets a job, he wants um, Shoplinsky. Uh, I can't, I can't pronounce. To be right. his offensive coordinator. Exactly. So they had to promote but him. If so they promote him to the Dolphins OC. He can't take the parallel job. Okay. Well, anyway, Adam Gase was asked about Le'Veon Bell. That's that was what. not nice. Here's what he said. You want him back and you're starting to back in 2020? He's under contract for three more years. You can ask Joe tomorrow. Do you want him back? You can ask Joe tomorrow. I'm not the personnel. I'm not church personnel. 
hey, do you, are you excited to have Olivia uh, Bell with, with on your team for the next year? I'm not in charge of personnel. Like, just lie already, dude. Do just, you think he's a good locker room motivator, like giving pregame speeches? Where would you rank his pregame speech ability? I mean, imagine if you – it's Joe Douglas he's talking about, obviously, the, the player personnel guy. But imagine if you, like, you're single and you're, you're, you're dating these girls and you keep breaking up with them. And then they like, they end up dating like, they end up like marrying millionaires. Every single one of them marries a millionaire. So if you pick up with them, you're like, is it me or is it, is it them? Like what's going on? It's like, no, it's you, man. It's you. Ryan Tannehill is going to win comeback player of the year. Devontae Parker is a top five wide receiver in the NFL. Kenyon Drake just scored 17 touchdowns in like 48 hours. I mean, like there's a bunch of other guys too. Mika Fitzpatrick just traded for a first round pick as a superstar. Like Gase, like Le'Veon Bell used to be one of the best running backs in football and he sucks now. The only person that Gaze has it somehow tainted is Jamison Crowder. And then Le'Veon Bell tweeting this out with a gif from the office uh, adds to this because he's clearly just like, what the hell is going on? Why does this coach not want me there? This team just gave me a gigantic contract. We're stuck together. They're like the odd couple. They want nothing to do with each other. And I think Le'Veon Bell probably feels like he made a horrible mistake. But then he looks in his bank account when he gets his direct deposit. And he's like, all right, whatever. I'll suck it up a few more years. Uh, but this does seem like a disaster. And it's little things like this that make me think that the Jets, because we were talking about who made the biggest mistake, the Falcons, the Lions, or the Jets. Maybe you put the Jets above Matt Patricia. Yes. But Ryan has made a strong case for Matt Patricia for the last 18 months. So I will keep Matt Patricia. I will say this. Well, let's, let's, let's not forget that, like, uh, 11, like six months ago, Ryan was like, I love Matt Patricia. He's great. He's turning it around in Detroit. I'm worried I'm going to be burnt by talking crap about him. And then as soon as it flipped on Patricia, Ryan started dogpiling him again. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Uh, but <laughs> I will say Patricia seems to have the support of his players. Adam Gase does not seem to have that support. So maybe that is a, uh, gives Gase the slight edge. And even though Patricia calls all media members slobs, he has a much better relationship with the media than Adam Gase, who just, inherently seems to hate them and i think that probably reflects more on his like social skills than anything else and it just brings me back to his ability to relate to his players and how they don't seem to want to necessarily play hard for him i will say this though doesn't he go seven and nine every year he eked out seven and nine this year with the jets i think every year in miami he went seven and nine and underachieved he is the prototypical just under mediocre coach it makes a lot of sense his personality why him and jay cutler got along so well <laughs> really hey man yeah I mean, like, what is the deal? I don't know. Yeah, you don't smoke cigs. Yeah. Beats, but, uh, um. By the way, Chad O'Shea. I'm curious to see what happens to him next. Because remember in that Belichick saving thing, how they were ripping, you didn't hit mute. Remember how they were ripping people who um the coaches who left for other coaching jobs when when like you know like OCs got hired. You're like these guys, the assistants too. They just think they, they can just go and do it. It's like. Maybe Belichick will send a little message to Chad O'Shea. You're not welcome back in the cocoon, my friend. Um, that's it for the show. We're going to get out of here. This may be the last. No, no, there'll be one more time you hear us in 2019. Um, baby Emergency Podcast. But remember, you can kickstart your 2020 and get ready for the bowl games by hearing the dulcet tones of Ryan Wilson and Chris Trapasso doing our draft uh, New Year's Day preview. Talk to you tomorrow. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or 
I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hyundai. 